Thanks for joining us for part two of the eSports miniseries, which is being brought to you by the Idaho Gaming League. Make sure you go and follow Idaho Gaming League on Instagram and Facebook and check out IdahoGamingLeague.com. We appreciate our sponsor for this miniseries. On part one, we got the perspective of a fan in the world of esports now we're bringing on a different perspective and this is going to be very interesting because in the world of esports it's becoming more and more popular and more and more universities are actually you know adding esports as a varsity sport meaning you can get a scholarship to play so today we're actually going to get the perspective of a collegiate head coach. So Alex Rogers will be joining us for this interview um, on the mini series, and he's going to give us his rundown from a coach's perspective. But Alex, could you give us a little bit of a breakdown of where you coach and basically what you do? Sure. Yeah, Shane. So yeah, I'm currently coaching um, the head esports coach at Bellevue University. And right now we're going to be participating in actually three titles uh, this coming year, starting here in a couple of weeks. Uh, League of Legends, Overwatch, and another game called Paladins. Awesome. And just to get to know you a little bit better, Alex, can you tell us where you're from and how you even got into the world of esports? Uh, well, originally I was actually from Korea. Uh, I was born in Seoul, South Korea. And you may think, okay, stereotypically, that guy's obviously a gamer. Um, but I was adopted when I was really young and actually pretty much grew up here stateside. Uh, from the age of two on up. And so I've lived primarily in Nebraska, uh, went to college in Iowa, and then came back here uh, to Nebraska after I finished college. Um, and I've worked here at Bellevue University now for about uh, five years. And, or excuse me, I'm in my fifth year right now. I've always had a passion for gaming. You know, I've never really done it um, in a highly competitive manner. Uh, but that's also because, you know, A, um, I wasn't really good enough, um, but B, it also wasn't as popular or really as widespread, or excuse me, as mainstream uh, as it is now. I think the biggest thing that was around when I was younger was more like the MLG uh, and people who played uh, basically competitive Halo. Ah, Halo. Yeah, see, Halo was a huge game when I was younger. And when I was in high school, everybody would play. Like, we'd link up the Xboxes, link up the TVs, and we'd play, do major tournaments. People would stay home sick to play. I suck at that game, uh, just like I suck at most of the games like Fortnite and stuff like that today. But I had a lot of friends that were good at it, and I had a good time playing. Now, what is your all-time favorite game, Alex? Oh, gosh. Um, in college, I played a lot of probably Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2. I absolutely love that game on Xbox. Um, yeah. Diablo 2, it's probably a toss-up between Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, uh, which is the expansion, or Call of Duty. Um, I've got great memories from both. Really, Diablo 2 was the game that got me into PC gaming, period. Um, but then, of course, consoles were pretty big in college just because it was an easy way for kids to come together and, and for my friends and I to come together and uh, just have a good time. So it's probably a toss-up between Diablo 2 and Call of Duty. I know two completely different games, but I've just got good memories from both. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Now we want to get into the like really interesting part of this interview, and this is what we kind of got you on here for, Alex, is to talk about your experience coaching esports. How did you get into coaching, and what made you want to coach esports? We're going to get into this, though, like how you even coach esports, but what got you into it to begin with? Let's start there. Well, 
I've always had an interest in, in helping people and basically just making sure that, um, you know, people can succeed. I have a traditional background in sports, actually. I played soccer uh, all four years of college uh, at the varsity level when I was in college. And so during my time there, I helped do a little bit of coaching as well um, and wanted to continue with a passion for that. You know, my time after college didn't necessarily allow for it, but in my time here at Bellevue University, uh, when this opportunity became available, I thought, wow, like that would be that would be a great job to have both being able to have and develop the relationship that I enjoy doing through coaching um, and mentoring and helping people improve and get better, um, but also because it's just an awesome job because really nobody else gets to say that they can you know, have a job in esports, or it's, it's very rare. Yeah, it's very rare, but I think it's awesome what you're doing. It's very unique, and I'm sure that the skill set of coaching runs parallel in between traditional sports and esports just because it's a skill set that, you know, it's coaching. But I'm sure there's a little bit of differences. So in traditional sports, you might be coaching one team, but for you, you mentioned there's a couple games that you guys play. So do you, one, do you coach all of the games that you listed that are offered at your university as the, the head coach of the esports team? And two, how do you coach effectively when it comes to esports I guess because it is a little bit different, you know, it's gamers compared to like athletes playing a traditional sport. So how do you coach effectively that way? Uh, yes, it is. That's a good question. And yes, uh, essentially what uh, we do is, you know, we, we kind of have like a, a captain for each team. And quite frankly, these kids are a lot better than I am. And so, you know, what we do is we facilitate coaching through conversation uh, simply because esports, of course, is different than the traditional sport because you can't, uh, you know, immediately sub a player out in the middle of a game or after a play. You know, if there's a game going on, you've got to wait until that game is over, you know, to make some kind of correction. See, that would be difficult because in a traditional sport, let's say football, you're looking at like if a, if a certain player makes a mistake one, one or two times on the same drive, then you can sub them out. But, I mean, the game... You can sub them out throughout the game, but you don't have to wait for the full game to be over to make an adjustment. Whereas in esports, you kind of have to let it ride it out, and then you can make the adjustments as necessary. So that it would take an immense amount of patience. What do your 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 weeks look like, Alex? Like, do you guys do some practices? Do you look at film like traditional sports? I guess I would like to know what you guys do on a weekly basis as a college esports team. Oh yeah, absolutely. We practice every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, basically, so what our schedule. Uh, essentially looks like Monday we have uh, what's called scrims, usually for about three hours, uh, usually in the evening from like six to nine. It gives usually just another school or another team. Uh, Tuesday, same thing, six to nine. Uh, Wednesdays would be like our physical workout days where we would work out for about an hour and a half. Uh, I think it's important to, to get out of the chair, you know, get get your blood flowing, move around, make sure that you don't stay uh, sedimentary for, for the whole time, you know. Um, Thursday, we have our individual, uh, basically improvement slash study hall day, uh, for about the same time as well, for a few hours. And then Friday, we do what's called our VOD reviews, our video on demand, where, you know, earlier in the week, I'll have recorded all of our scrims, um, on one of those two days, actually both days, and then we'll go back through and basically do film review, you know, of what uh, of what we we did. Very interesting. 
in traditional sports, Alex, when you're doing practices, you watch film and such, just like it sounds like you guys are doing. When you go to practice, though, you can you know, work on a specific play and, you know, you work on a specific coverage and a different scheme on defense and this and that. When it comes to actually practicing the game, do you have any ways that you can, you can actually practice plays or strategies? Or do you simply, when you go to practice and you're playing, do you just let them play the game? Or do you have, do you have like a strategy that you can work on? Yeah. I mean, you know, in most games, like for example, with like League of Legends, um, with that, you know, I would say, yes, you do have to play the game in a competitive scenario in order to improve and get better. Um, but what's also important is being able to watch or view your own film or your own games afterwards to see, you know, what you could have done better, to see if your thought process during a specific time in the game was what you were thinking. Uh, were you correct with thinking where you know, an enemy player was positioned, were you correct in making, um, you know, an aggressive play, uh, were you correct in basically just having good map awareness or pushing an objective rather than, you know, joining up with your team to take another objective with them. Um, I would say self-reflection afterwards is, is very important, but yes, being able to play is very important. I think on uh, both uh Micro and macro level, it's important to, to improve. So going through and talking about actual strategy and different plays and things, um, just like you would, I guess, with running a play in football is very important. Um, but with, with league, you know, I'm just using league as an example because I know it's the best. But, um, you know, without, without any micro improvement, so in like your lane phase, for example, there is no macro because you would fall so far behind that you wouldn't be able to be effective at any point really later in the game. Um, unless it goes beyond a point of time that, that you do become effective, but when you play good teams, they don't let you get a point to catch up to, to become effective again. Great information. During the matches themselves, Alex, do you basically just come up with a game plan and let it ride itself out, good or bad, and then make the adjustments game by game? Or can you actually coach the players, like speak to them during the matches? How does that work? You So you pretty much just have a game plan beforehand. Like it is strictly um, off limits for any outside communication except amongst the players to communicate during a game. Um, you know, because it's either 5v5 or 6v6. And if you're communicating with them during a game, at that point in time, it then, it then becomes 6v6 or 7v7, you know, depending on which game you're playing. And so for that reason, in any competitive setting, um, there is no outside communication allowed uh, from anyone. That would put a lot of stress on the coaching staff, I would imagine, because, you you know, you have to come up with a, a good game plan and then essentially you just hand it to the players and say, here you go. Like, you put the trust in the players themselves. That would be stressful. You're right, absolutely. I think, you know, my main focus there, you know, obviously if we – it's more fun to win, um, obviously, anytime. But, um, you know, my main focus is making sure that, you know, when these kids make a mistake, they know it. And so coming down on them and yelling at them and, and screaming or getting, you know, angry, it's not going to change anything because at that point, what's done is done. You've got the loss. You've got to look forward to the next game and try to have that quarterback mentality and start over with a clean slate immediately, usually pretty quickly because the turnaround time is very fast. And so, you know, trying to support someone 
positively, in my opinion, uh, works much better because these are all highly competitive individuals themselves. And so when they make a mistake, you know, they, they usually beat themselves up because they know, too, that they're a part of a team. And so, you know, they know that everyone else is holding them accountable. Not that they're coming down on them either because I certainly don't tolerate any kind of negative uh, or toxic uh, communication amongst the team because that obviously does, um, doesn't do anybody any good. But my, my main role is there to support them and, and help them basically through that because it's a big mental game. Really, oh, yeah. I can imagine that's what exactly what it sounds like. It's a huge mental game, but not only for the players, for the coaches as well. So that's where the coaching comes into it because you're giving them control and you have to sweat it out, ride with it, good or bad. And then if the players make a mistake, which they're bound to do because they're human, just like everybody else, then you have to coach effectively. And that's a skill set that not everybody has. It's easier said than done. You have to coach them in a way that they can get that quarterback mentality and forget about that one and move on to the next. So I commend you for it because that sounds very difficult. Now, Alex, here in Boise, Idaho, uh, Boise State University just last year mentioned that, you know, eSports was going to be a varsity sport at the college. And it's a big deal right now. People were, you know, talking about it. And more and more universities are jumping on board. And I want to know your thoughts about you know, this becoming more and more normal across the country, you know, all these universities, you know, introducing esports as a varsity sport, giving these kids more opportunities. And then what do you think about the growth of esports in the coming years? Well, this is our second year as well. And I'll tell you what, I, I attended the uh, National Association of College Esports National Convention uh, in Atlanta last month. And from what I saw, there were about 160 uh, attendees there, different institutions, 80, I'd say, you know, half of which were established varsity uh, college esports programs, and the other half were schools that are looking at getting into the college esports space. And so from what I've seen with the investments of, obviously, like League of Legends and Overwatch, professionally franchising and looking to grow, uh, as well as you know, the Battle Royale games like Fortnite, investing $100 million this year alone in, in uh, tournaments. Uh, I only imagine it to continue to grow. I think it's a good sign when, like I said, the colleges uh, from around the country are also looking at getting into the college esports space and getting more involved because they, I know that they're taking it a lot more serious. Uh, I know that the NCAA has been looking very closely at college esports and, and wondering how and what they can do possibly to, to get involved. So I'd imagine, um, you know, here shortly, within the next two to five years, it'll be it'll become like a mainstream sport simply because it's 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 pretty much, in my opinion, just about there. It's right on that bubble. Um, but within the next two to five, I would say. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be there. Yeah, I, I think it's going to as well because in the last two years, like you said, it's already grown substantially. And I think if you just give it another two to five as it continues to grow and gain you know, exposure and popularity, it's, it's just going to continue to grow and it's going to blow up. I do want to ask you this because this is a question that came up when I was doing some research. I saw a documentary and it sounds funny, but performance-enhancing drugs in esports. I mean, they were mentioning Adderall, like players were you know, taking these, these types of medications to try to help them with their focus. And since you're in the collegiate realm of esports, I'm wondering, are they going to have to start abiding by the same rules as the other sports, you know, the other athletes have to do and do drug testing and such? Like, what's your thoughts on that going forward? 
You know, that's a great question. And we do actually hold them to certain eligibility requirements. Uh, we are part of the NAIA, and so we hold them to basically those exact similar uh, eligibility requirements because we view them as uh, the same thing as a traditional student athlete in terms of academics, in terms of eligibility, um, and, in, and in terms of performance-enhancing drugs. You know, right now the main – I think that the – that, while that's a good question, I think the better question is who is going to regulate it? Because without an organization or some kind of third party there to regulate that, which there's currently one right now that's trying to do that, and it's called NACE, the National Association of College Esports, um, you know, these schools won't be held accountable to things like performance-enhancing drugs. So right now, I would say it's still kind of up in the air. It's kind of like the Wild West, but I'd imagine that pretty darn soon uh, those kinds of rules and regulations um, will be changing very quickly uh, because, like I said, too, NACE is basically like the NAIA um, and, and with the NCAA uh, taking a hard look at, at eSports and, and how and what they can do to, to get involved. You know, I think that all of those same things that you see other traditional student athletes being held accountable to will happen with, with esports athletes as well. For sure. And I know it sounds funny, that question that I asked, but there was a reason for it because I do feel that it would be fair if the esports gamers had to, you know, abide by the same rules and, you know, regulations as a traditional student athlete. Alex, as a coach, I want to know what your favorite memory has been thus far. Oh, gosh. Probably last year. Uh, during our final regular season match uh, with our team basically winning out in a best-of-three game against uh, another school where we ended up going 5-1 and one in our regular season. We ended up winning the match, which allowed us to move on to the uh, regional playoff championship round for League of Legends. I think that was probably one of the best feelings I've, I've ever had because we made it to the next round of uh, basically there's eight schools from each region that get to advance. And from there that would put you in contention for going to the national tournament, which is played in where the NALCS is played. That's the North American league championship series, which is where all the pros play out in Los Angeles. What's the most rewarding aspect of being a coach? Um, you know, I think just talking with the different kids who I've come in in contact with who have a passion for esports and gaming, you know, I think it's it's always great when you can find somebody who is so passionate and just loves and enjoys the game and obviously wants to get an education too um, and being able to connect those things together. You know, it's it's um it's just, to me, it's incredible because, Everyone comes from all different walks of life. I mean, I've got kids on the team from pretty much every every coast, every area of the country that you can think of, and it's incredible to, to be able to bring, you know, all these different people together. Uh, so I think just just talking to people, talking about esports, being able to connect them with their passion and with an education, I mean, what else can you ask for? I think it's a win-win. Oh, Absolutely. And with the world of esports growing so fast, do you see yourself staying in the industry, or where do you see yourself in the future, Alex? 
Yeah, I mean, right now I don't have any intention of going anywhere. I love my job. I love the university. I love, you know, the the support that they've given me through this endeavor. Um, You know, it's hard to say where I would be within the next few years, uh, but I don't necessarily, you know, want to say that I'm going to stay in one place forever. Uh, But for now, I do see myself here probably within the next couple years. Awesome. I appreciate you joining us, Alex, for part two of the mini-series and sharing your knowledge with us. It's been an awesome discussion. Yeah, you're very welcome, Shane. Thank you for having me. And uh, if you ever need anything else, man, I'm always here to chat. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Alex Rogers, head coach of the Bellevue University eSports team. I hope you enjoyed part two as we learned about eSports from a coach's perspective. Stay tuned for part three and part four. (laughs) 